Father, we recognize you as God Almighty. There is no one above you, no one before you, no one like you. You are God of all gods. And we worship you, Lord. And the fact, Lord, that you would see fit to send your Son, Jesus, to become a man and live and teach on this earth and be willing to lay his life down on the cross for for our sin, Lord. And that today he is risen at the right hand of the Father, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord Jesus, you are our shepherd. Those of us who are followers of you, Lord, you are our shepherd. And today, Lord, I pray that you would nourish us through your word, that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding and speak to us through your word, and that you would cause us to grow spiritually, Lord, and that, Lord, you would continue the work you've started in many of us, and maybe some of us, whether here in, in this room or watching online, maybe there's some that don't know you, and I pray that you would bring salvation to many. Oh, Lord, we ask your blessing and our time in your word. And I pray, Lord, as you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. Lord, let these be your words, not my words. May you get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Church. How is everyone doing? Good, good. Enjoying the weather? Yes, yes. Love the... The cooler, cooler winter-ish uh, weather that we have, and praying for my son. He is supposed to be driving back from New Mexico, and he may be going through a blizzard, so I might have to go and fetch him after church, you know. And so pray for safety for him. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I think we have some extra Bibles in the back. We we are a, a Bible church. Um, and uh, we love digging into the Word, and we we're going we were going through we're g- through the Book of Hebrews. But we're taking a little bit of a layover somewhere, take a little pause. We only have three left three three chapters left in Hebrews, so we'll definitely finish that book. But we're taking a little uh, little at the beginning of the year a little pause to sort of uh, do a little s- mini series on principles of ministry, sort of like. My philosophy or understanding of scripture of how ministry ought to be done. And it's something I've been taught, something I've observed and just experienced in Bible, you know, study the Bible, just things that have, you know, come together, I guess. And last week, we, the first one was servant leadership, you know, and that and Jesus sets the example of, of serving. You know, that's what, you know, we are servants of, of one another, we're servants of Christ. And Jesus, in John chapter 3, 13, rather, takes up a towel and washes his disciples' feet. And that was very shocking to them because he's the Lord. And at first, Peter's like, well, Lord, you're my Lord, and you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, no, no. If I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. And then he says, I gave you an example that you should do the same to another. That's the attitude. So when we talk about ministry, we, we talk about, first of all, a servant, leadership to be a servant. Well, I'm a servant. It's not about making me look good. It's about serving one another, serving the body of Christ. That's, that's the greatest. Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be the servant. That's the attitude of, of, 
of Christ. And Jesus says, the world says, those who are over you, lord it over you, and they dominate you, and they, you know, do my will, you know. But not so with you. You'll, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you're going to have that servant attitude. So that was the first point we did last week. And today, we're going to do another point. I'm going to do one point, and then maybe in a couple weeks, I'll do a couple of points. But today, and these aren't in any particular order, okay? So it doesn't mean that last week was the most important. These are all important, okay? But today, I want to um, address or bring up uh, the second principle, and that is an emphasis on God's grace. This, this week can spend like 18 weeks in this one section alone because there's so much there. Um, God's grace, of course, is something we hear about, maybe we talk about, or maybe we just skip over, you know? But in, in, um, in the scriptures, and we're going through a lot of scripture today, the emphasis on God's grace is very prevalent, especially in the New Testament. In fact, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. This is a, some familiar verses we're going to look at. Uh, just, to start, um, just, to, uh, just to start up setting the tone, and I'm going to share some, some, uh, some thoughts about the grace of God. God's grace, of course, is God's favor. The word in Greek is charis, and it's the word that means to show favor or goodwill or goodness, right? Generosity, okay? It's the, the generosity of God, the, the kindness of God. That's God's grace, you know? And in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Skip on down to verse 16. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And the idea is wave after wave of God's grace through Christ. And then in verse uh, 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So even, and we'll see this today, the emphasis of Christ's ministry is, is the grace of God. And now I'm going to try to give you some understanding of what that looks like, what that feels like, and why it's so important. You, you see even in Paul's letters the emphasis of the grace of God. Uh, many of his letters, letters, he begins with grace and peace. Romans 1, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, it all starts out this way. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy. I mean, every single letter, he is beginning with grace. Sometimes he says grace, mercy, and peace. Sometimes it's grace and peace. It's always in that order, grace and then peace. From God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You have the other epistles, the general epistles of Peter. Uh, Peter mentions grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Grace and peace, Second Peter, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Second John, and even the book of Revelation, where John is writing to this, or Jesus, you know, John, yeah, Jesus, John, right? <laughs> John. He says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and is and who was to come, and from the seven spirits who were before his throne. You have even, now this is New Testament, but even in the Old Testament you have some idea of grace as well. God chooses Abraham. Why? Because Abraham did something to deserve it? No, he just said, I'm going to choose you. Or even when he decides to, King David wanted to build God a temple, right? God, I want to build you a temple. I want to build you a house because 
you know, your, your, your ark and your presence go around this tabernacle. It's like a tent, and they set up. I want to build you one. And God says, that's a great idea, but hold on. I'm going to build you a house, David. And in, uh, in First Chronicles 17, uh, he sends Nathan a prophet, and he says, listen, I have been with you wherever you have gone and, and have cut off all your enemies before you. I, I will make you a great name. I'm going to make uh, you like the great ones of the earth. And then the King David responds. He see, God tells David, I'm going to make you a king. And then somebody in your line is, first of all, your son is going to build me a temple, but then somebody in your line is going to be the Messiah. And David is responding to this, and he says, this, who am I, O Lord? Who, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house, house that you brought me this far? Uh, this was a small thing in your eyes, O God, but you have spoken to your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the standard man of high degree. What more can David s- still say to you concerning the honor you've bestowed on your servant? So you have grace in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you have the prime example, of, you have one example of grace, is the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who, of course, you know, was Saul of Tarsus, and he persecuted the church. He was the enemy of the church. He was enemy of Christ in one sense, you know. And Jesus Christ decides that I'm choosing that man to do great things in my name, right? He says, um, uh, go to 1 Corinthians 15, okay? You guys, we're going to flip through scriptures, okay? So might as well get the, let the fingers do the walking. Remember the yellow pages, the fingers do the walking? And I know nowadays, you know, a lot of young people, we have uh, the iPads and this, you know, yeah, you got the back, the, you were born in the 80s, right? So <laughs> the, re- the rest of us who were born in the 60s or whatever, they, we, we like paper, right? I'm, I'm old school. Now, I have the technology, I have the latest and greatest, but there's something about turning pages, I don't know. But God bless you, Deacon Daniel, with his little iPhone Bible app that you use. Where was I saying? First Corinthians, watch this. Go to First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. And because I'm getting older, I have to put my glasses on, you know. First Corinthians 15. Now he's talking about uh, he uh, he's talking about the resurrection, you know. In verse one, I make known to you the gospel that I proclaim to you as good news, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you're also saved. Uh, verse thirteen, he goes, I delivered you of first importance what. I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 5, then he appeared to Cephas or Peter, then to the 12, and then he appeared to 500 people. Some are dead. They're falling asleep. That means they died. Then to James, and then to all the apostles. And then verse 8, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I mean, this is the apostle Paul, and he realizes what he did. He he was there when Stephen was stoned and the first martyr of the church, and he was there watching their coats and standing by in full full acknowledgement and agreement with what was happening. And, of course, he was that was his mission, to put out, to snuff out this, this little sect called the way, you know. And, and then he says, I'm the least, I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, watch this. But by what? The grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace towards me did not prove in vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Not I, yet, yet not I, but the grace of God. See, some of us approach God, and maybe not in this room necessarily, or uh, watching online, but approach God trying to earn acceptance, trying to earn approval, trying to earn things, you know? And here the grace of God says, I'm going to show kindness to you, and that's going to change your life. And I'll, I'm going to tell you from experience, and I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes, but you will grow the most in the atmosphere of grace. I, I, from experience, when I understood the grace of God, and we'll get into this, and what it meant, it did something. It grew me. It, it brought more assurance and security and rest and salvation of Christ. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Grace, of course, is very significant. That's why he says, Galatians 1, God, uh, Paul says, when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son. He says, this is, this is God's doing. I didn't deserve it. I didn't sign. I wasn't looking for this. But God says, I'm going to show grace to that, that, that young man named Saul of Tarsus. Well, let me give you some characteristics of, of grace, okay? Because we, we, we talk about this, you know, and all that. But first thing is this, okay? Characteristics of grace. There's a couple here is that grace always begins with the goodness of God. It begins what God has done through Jesus Christ. That's where grace begins. The emphasis of grace is on what God has done, not what we do. The order is significant. Grace covers sins. Grace is God's goodness that first, he initiates the kindness, right? Think about this. He begins and initiates and shows the love and grace through Jesus Christ first. It begins with God, okay? It emphasizes what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Now, law, in contrast, emphasizes what you must do for God. Now, some churches, and, I, and I'm not going to mention the name, but see, but sometimes you go to church and say, we need to do more for God. We need to strive, strive harder and try to do more things for God and get the blessing, okay? Now, that's... Okay, yeah, we, have, we, we do things for God. We understand. We don't sit around. But, but what happens, though, is if you emphasize and you do, 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 the, the, here's what happens, is that you get exhausted because you think it's all about you achieving higher standing with God or more blessing with God, God right? Does that make sense? And what happens is that you leave empty or actually exhausted because the burden now is placed on you, Right? It's placed on you. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing this. The law emphasizes shoulds. Shoulds, shoulds, shoulds. We must do this because I should do this. And then you go and do things that you're not called to do and you're exhausted and frustrated. Amen? Because you're not called to that. See, grace emphasizes the provision of God through Jesus Christ. All right? And law emphasizes working to be worthy. Well, I've done this, I've done this, and I keep climbing the ladder, but you never feel like it's enough, right? You know how it is when you live in that mentality is, I've got to try harder. I, gotta, I, gotta, I didn't pray enough today. Okay, that's me. And that's, that's, that's a, it's a very religious sounding thing, you know. I, I didn't give enough. I didn't do this or that, you know. Law focuses so much on the self and the flesh, and grace is a different thing. It responds to the goodness of God. That's why it so bothered the Pharisees when Jesus 
we show kindness to sinners. Right? So Luke 15, Luke 15, you don't have to turn, I was just going to read it to you. Luke 15, is the chapter about the, the prodigal son. First verse, it says, watch this, it says, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to him, and both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. How could he do that? They don't deserve it. They haven't worked enough. They haven't did that, you know. How could he show kindness to those sinners, right? I don't know about you, but I'm with the sinners, right? That gives me that gives me hope. I'm sinning with the sinners, and Jesus. Now, of course, the sinners don't leave unchanged, right? There's something about that encounter with Jesus where, like, become a different person. And Pharisees hate that. In Mark two, it talks about that Jesus was <laughs> reclining at a table at somebody's house, and the tax collectors and sinners, and they were, and the same thing. Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Grace deals with the heart. The heart responds to the goodness of God. It's a heart response. It's the, it's the cleaning of the inside of the cup, so to speak, right? It's the new wine and the new wineskins. The law was realized through Moses, through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Let me add you a second, a second observation, okay? Second character. This is, now this is significant, okay? Grace, now when you understand the grace of God, okay? Grace will is okay. Grace is more effective at reaching and changing the heart than the law. Okay, grace is more effective at producing more significant, genuine, heartfelt, sincere response to God than the law. When you understand the grace of God truly, now all of us, if you understand. First of all, to understand the grace of God or receive it, you have to understand. Like, Paul says, I'm, I'm the least because I was, I was a, he still struggled with that. Even in his letters, later letters, he says, oh, I'm st-, you know, but he, didn't, but he didn't live there, right? He understood where he came from. I mean, you understand how, how, how much of a sinner you are. And then the guy gives you grace and you, you kind of, maybe at first you're like, I can't accept it because this is too hard because I think I should do something to, what can I do, Lord? I mean, you truly receive the grace of God. The response is more heartfelt, more sincere, more extravagant, more lavish of response than any law or response to law can produce. You say, prove it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> We're going to look at some scripture. Watch this. Okay. You guys ready to turn some pages? Okay, Matthew 26. We're going we're, we're gonna to look at like five examples real fast of this point. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And this, this is just a, sm- a small, just beginning part here. Matthew 26 and verse, um, let's see here. <clears throat> verse 6. Now when, G- um, now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in came to him with an alabaster jar of costly, very costly perfume. She poured it on his head and recli- as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were, now specifically their gospel says Judas was leaking the pack. Why wasn't this sold for a price and given to the poor? That was Judas. And Judas was a legalist and he didn't care. He didn't respond to the grace of God because he just wanted to keep the money and still. But they hear it says, why was this perfume not sold for a high price and the money given to the poor? And Jesus said, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good work to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. When she poured out this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for, for burial. Truly, 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 I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken of in memory of her. I think this is her response of the grace of God. This is her response of lavishing on Jesus this costly perfume as an expression of her devotion, expression of her gratitude, expression of her love. We see this, in, of course, uh, in um, uh, Luke 7. Go to Luke 7. Go to Luke 7. Okay, Luke 7. It's a similar scene, uh, but Jesus adds a, a, a little uh, comment about this. Uh, Luke 7, and in verse um, uh, 30, uh, 36, okay? You guys there? You guys with me? Okay. And take it, I'm going to take a drink of water. We still live in a desert, even though it rains a lot. This is a wet desert, but guess what? Okay. okay. Luke 7, 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was asking him to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, she began. She was crying and began to wet his feet with her tears. And she kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Then when the Pharisee who had invited him and saw this, he said to himself, saying, If this man were a prophet, he would, he would know who and what sort of woman this was and who was touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus, of course, answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And then he tells a story about people that were, uh, that were forgiven tremendous amount of debt. Skip on down. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, verse 44. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me new water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped her with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. And he who has been forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Go, your faith has saved you. Here's what it is. This woman is responding to the kindness and love of Christ lavishly, more lavishly, more heartfelt, more sincere than the legal Pharisee standing right next to Jesus. See, grace does that. Grace does that. You see that in a woman in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, right? Hey, she is avoiding everyone, goes to the, to the well in the middle of the day by herself. No other ones around. She's ashamed of who she is and what she's done. Jesus meets her and gives her living water. She leaves her pot, goes back into town, says, Guys, come see the man who told me everything I got. Could this be the Messiah? Come on, let's go see. That's a different response. Why? Because of the grace of God shown to her. Was she a sinner? Yeah, she knew that. It's like when you, you know you're a sinner. You know, and I'll... I'll pause real fast. My life, I know. Okay, I've been in ministry a long time, but I'm, I, I did some sin. And I have struggles, you know. I know the grace of God, but some, sometimes you're like, but that was really, really bad, you know. And God's grace is able to cover all your sins. And sometimes it's our own pride that says, I have a hard time receiving that because that's just too good. 
And God, who is goodness incarnate, so to speak, right? I mean, is, there's no one more gooder. Is there a word is gooder? Gooder than Jesus, gooder than God, better, better, than, um, better than God. There's no one, you can't outdo God with goodness, right? God is good. God is love. The scripture says God is love and love, 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 love. Grace upon grace. That's through Jesus Christ. When you understand that and you receive that, yes, you know your past, you know what you've done, but at the same time, don't beat yourself up if God's saying, but I covered that. You were Saul of Tarsus, but now you're Apostle Paul. Yes, you know, you're, but you appreciate what God has done, right? Amen? Okay, one more. Luke 19. Go to Luke 19. Luke 19. Now, Nick, I would have been shocked if you sang this little, that song about little Zacchaeus. <laughs> I would have been like, okay, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Luke 19, and he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man uh, called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Okay, he's a tax collector, he's working for the Romans, and no one likes him. Because a tax collector... They, they bid for what they can collect, and then they got more to get their profit. So they really gouge you, you know, the taxes. And he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was a, unable because of the crowd, for he was, a, 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 he was small, he was short, he was a little guy, short, small in stature. And so he ran on before, climbed the sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Have some lunch, have some dinner. Let's, let's, let's do it. Now, did Zacchaeus, first of all, did he do anything to deserve Jesus inviting him over? I mean, I mean there were probably more religiously righteous people than Zacchaeus. Everyone knew Zacchaeus, who he was, and they hate him. They say, if that man deserves punishment, then it must be that tax collector. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. That's grace, Right? That's great. Look, look, at what it's, look what it says now. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. And legal people are like that, right? They're just, well, that person, they don't deserve. Yeah, we're all on the same level before the cross. We're all sinners before God, amen? And all of us are in desperate need of the grace of God to cover our sins, to wash our sins, to 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 be made whole, to be made all of us, right? Now look what Zacchaeus says. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, this is his response. Remember the point is, grace will produce a more lavish, sincere response than law will ever do. Zacchaeus stopped and said, behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have extorted any one of anything, I will give back Four times as much. Okay, that's the response, the genuine response of the grace of God. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because in our church, my prayer is that we emphasize the grace of God. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't say, hey, obviously, grace of God also means that you live, you follow the Jesus, right? right? We know Titus says it means it teaches us to deny ungodliness, okay? But the response is from the heart, a genuine, I want to do this. No one told Zacchaeus he had to do it. Now, Zacchaeus, since Jesus has invited him, 
you should give this X amount of dollars. Now, you should give four, four times as much. You should do this. That's law speaking. It's more of, I want to do this. Not only that, the law would have said, well, I'll give a little bit back to Jesus. And here, a man whose life has been changed, I can't wait to give you more, Lord. When I, when I started, when I was taught the grace of God, I grew because I got off the treadmill of trying to be accepted, trying to do more. And it became, I, because of love that God has given me through Jesus Christ, I want to serve him. I'll get up early in the morning. I'll, I'll you know, do, go the extra mile because I want to serve him, you know. I want to be faithful to him because of what he's done. No one has to tell me to do anything. It's like, it's something in your heart, right? That's why, as I read before, in 1 Corinthians 15, I don't know if you notice what Paul says. We read this verse. He says, but verse 10, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. Like he showed me grace, and I just didn't sit there as a you know, tree stump or something. But I labored, what? Even more than all of them. Like it so changed his life that it was like, I'm not holding back. No one had to tell him. He just did it out of his response. And grace does that. Understand the grace of God produces that response that is more sincere, more lavish, more generous, more, more of gratitude and love, you know, than anyone else, anyone else. That's why, can I give you one more? Yes, I can. How about Luke 8? Luke 8, real short. Give me a lot. Hey, we love the scriptures. And I've just shown you example, example, uh, after example. Jesus, you know the story, if, if you're uh, familiar with the scriptures, he sets free a man who is possessed by a legion of demons. A lot of demons, okay? A whole lot of demons. And no one was able to help this man. No legalist, no Pharisee, no one had the power to change this man's life. Jesus comes on the scene. He, he says, what's your name? The demon says, we're legion. He sends the legion away in the, into the pigs. And then there's the man sitting in his wreck. Now, no one had seen this man like this in years. They gave up on the guy. They say, okay, send him to this other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee and throw away the key because we can't leave. There, he was helpless. And Jesus helps this man who is helpless. And in verse, uh, um, in verse um, 38, but the man, Luke 8, 38, but the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany, accompany him. But he sent him, he goes, please, can I go with you? Please, can I go with you? And, and Jesus said, no, no, no. He says, now, verse 39, return to your house and recount what? What great things God has done for you. That's where it starts, right? What God has done for you, right? And look what the man does. He went away, proclaimed to the whole city, look what great things Jesus had done for him. That's grace. Why? Because grace produced that response of saying, this is what Jesus Christ has done for me. Does that make sense? Let me share one more characteristic of, of uh, well, let me just say something here. I said before that grace begins with what God has done, right? I give you some examples of the response of the grace. But even in the Apostle Paul, if he's a recipient of God's grace, you're going to see that reflected in his, in his letters. We know it begins, grace and peace, grace and peace, you know. 
I want to show you something is, is how he, um, how he puts this in his letters, this response to what God has done. So like, if you go to Romans 12, go to Romans 12. Beth, that's why I didn't give you all these verses because there's probably too much to give you for. See, Romans 12, watch this. Look at this. Romans 12, verse 1, he says this. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, living holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship of service. Okay, here's it right there. Some people start with that point. They'll start with, now present your bodies and walk holy. That's good. That's good. But the order is this. The order is what God has done. Look at chapter 8. Go back to Romans 8. I know I'm giving you, I'm, I'm, I know I'm skipping into, jumping, I'm trying to, obviously I'm making the point. But Romans 8 comes first. Romans 8, verse 30. Watch this. Verse 20, 29, verse 20. Because those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we would be the uh, firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. The emphasis there is on what God has done. That comes first, then what you do in response to what God has done. Therefore, present your bodies as living sacrifice. All right? Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Go to your right to Ephesians. Watch this. Now, some people, they go to Ephesians and they jump to chapter 4. So go to jump to chapter 4 of Ephesians, okay? Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Watch this. Am I giving you too much? This is overwhelming. Okay, you guys are tracking. I'm just making sure. I know I'm, I had coffee this morning, so I'm a little excited, you know. And, uh, and now, of course, I'm excited about teaching God's Word. So how can you not be excited, right? Watch this. Therefore... Ephesians 4, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to walk worthy of the calling which you've been called. Now, some people start there. Brother, we, we should walk worthy. Now, it's true. It's scripture. But they start there not realizing how, how Paul began. Right? You've got to do and walk worthy for God. That's true. But don't put that before what God has done. Look at chapter 1. Go to chapter 1 of Ephesians. How does, how does, how does Paul begin Ephesians? Now, this is great. He begins Ephesians by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with what? Verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. Yeah, grace and peace, of course, first. Then it gets to the, to the text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. You don't have to beg God to give you more spiritual blessings. He's already given to you all the spiritual blessings in Christ. All. Every. Every every means every, right? And then he gives you some examples. He chose you. He predestined you. He adopted you. He redeemed you. He forgave you. Oh, verse 7. He forgave you according to what? The riches of his what? Of his grace. Um, he sealed you, verse 13, with the Holy Spirit. He, he um, oh, look at chapter 2. You were dead in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. He made you alive. He raised you. Oh, verse 5. 
He made you alive for what? By what? By grace are you saved. You see that? It's all God doing it through Christ. I don't think, many of us became Christians. We're like, we didn't know what we signed up for. We didn't know what, we, what, what was in the package deal. In other words, that's how lavish God is. Grace upon grace. And God doesn't get tired out, worn out of that. It's undeserved, right? The cross was so significant. What Jesus Christ did on the cross was so significant. It was, it was a lot, right? So then he says, he raised you, verse 6, raised us up, seated us with him in the heavenlies, that he might show, verse 7, the surpassing riches of his, what? In kindness, his grace, in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's God's kind. That's God. I mean, some people think, well, that's too good to be true. That's, too, that's just hard to accept. That's God. This is why the gospel is good news. The gospel isn't, well, Jesus paid the down payment. You've got to make payments for the rest of your life. That's not the gospel, and that's not God's grace. This is verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that this is not yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one may boast. I can go on and on. So what does that mean for us? It means we focus, first of all, on the accomplished work of Jesus Christ and the gift of God's grace towards us through, through Jesus Christ. Camp out there. Well, we need to praise God to get the blessing. Come on, let's just generate a blessing from God. Let's, let's make God, let's twist God's arm by, by praising him so that he, he, he is so overwhelmed that he has to give us a blessing. And God says, I'm already giving you a blessing. I give you every spiritual blessing through Christ. Now, if you praise God because you're responding to him and say, thank you, Lord. I'm not giving you praise to get something out of you. I'm giving you praise as a response. I'm not serving you to get something. Now, if I do this, if I give extra, if I work extra hard, then God's got to bless me. He owes me. Really? He's your debtor? No. I serve, I love, I follow because of response of what Christ has done for me. You see the difference there? It's a response of the heart. It's a true response of the heart. Okay, one more point. You guys, one more point, and then we're done, okay? And I, I told you, I could have done 18 weeks, but I decided not to, because I want to finish Hebrews eventually. <laughs> but I want to get through this as well. But this is my understanding of how ministry is ought to be done. Grace you that. The third thing is grace responds to need. Okay? Great, first of all, grace emphasizes what God has done, right? Secondly, grace is more generous and lavish in response. But thirdly, grace responds to need. Okay? It's interesting when, the, when Jesus was hanging, hanging around the sinners in, in Mark 2, you don't have to turn there, and they said, why is this man eating in, with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said this. He said, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've come because they're sick and there's a need there. Right? Um, grace responds to need. God is, in one sense, God is a God who responds to need. When you are 
you're desperate for him. You're dependent on him. We respond to that. I mean, last week, okay, guys, last week, it was only by the grace of God I was able to teach because I was spent. You know, we had we were sick a couple of weeks in the, during the holidays, and we were worn out. I mean, I wanted to sleep in last Sunday, okay? Can I be honest with you? I wanted to sleep in because I was so worn out from being sick. And I said, Lord, you've laid on my heart this, this, this message, but I don't have any strength. We were worn out. Okay, we're human, okay? Let's just be honest, okay? I'm not Superman. I'm, I'm getting older, you know? And I hate to say it, you know, I, I wish I were younger and more frail, but... What's that? I, I, I wish I were less... I was more strong, stronger. I know. <laughs> less frail, less frail. Less frail, right? I mean, you know how it is. You get up and... Your bones start creaking a different way, and you just, you know, life happens. And, and so this, when we were sick over the holidays, and it so just wiped me out and wiped this, wiped Sharon and I out that I had nothing. I'm talking, I had barely enough energy, and I was, you know, I just, just drained. And God responded last week, I don't know about it, the Spirit of God was, was ministering in such a way, it was like, Okay, this is different. It was God responding to need. Look, look at Matthew 5. Look at Matthew 5. God's grace responds to need. Look at, look at, if we're talking about Jesus being full of grace and truth, or, or the law realized through Moses, grace and truth realized through Jesus Christ. Look how Jesus begins his ministry. Look at the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the what? poor in spirit, or Luke says blessed are the poor. Those are need. You're poor in spirit. You recognize your, 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 your lack, right? Blessed are those who, who mourn. They're lacking joy. Uh, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the lowly. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Those are all needs, right? So what does it do? When you recognize your need from God, for God, and it's not you trying to work hard to, no, no, you recognize I am, I, I need God. God, unless you show up, I, I, I got nothing. That leaves room for the Spirit of God, because you're like, Lord, I, I, I have got two loaves and a couple of fish, or five loaves and two fish, and what is that for such a big need? I have, I'm lacking. See, if you look at yourself and say, well, I need to generate everything I need to, then you're like, you're saying to God, I don't need you. And we're meant to be, to live in dependence, not independence, but dependence upon the Lord every single day. Every single day. Children of Israel needed man every day. They needed a quail. It was, a, it was God providing what they needed. And grace, God's grace responds to our needs. We recognize our deficiencies. We recognize that we are in desperate need. We recognize that we need God's presence and God's help and God's grace response. That God is a God who responds to need. That's why people say, God, I don't need you anymore. And God says, okay, there you go. But the person says, be merciful to me. God, I need you. Please help me. God says, okay. Does it make sense? It's a different emphasis. 
Well, grace does produce good things, right? But I, I, as I show in the scripture, there's more genuine response. There's more, I'm going to follow. Paul says, I'm going to work all the more for Christ in response to his grace. And that's my understanding of, of that just, I, I can, God, you know, God's grace leads to godly living and to a sincere devotion. And, and uh, yeah. Titus says, the grace of God has appeared of bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in his presence. So God, if you truly understand God's grace, it produces righteous living. But it produces a way of living after Christ that is empowered by his spirit, not dependent on you to do it, but on him living through you, through his Holy, as David's his Holy Spirit, to live in our lives, to live in following Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I realize that maybe I assume that everyone understands the grace of God and maybe everyone does, but just by way of reminder, Lord, how awesome and how amazing it is that you would do so much and give us so much through your son, Jesus. Maybe more than we realize. Maybe some of us have had pasts that we're ashamed of or, or difficult. And yet, Lord, you decided to still die on the cross for, our, for that sin. And you decided to call us, Lord. And maybe there's some here or some watching who... You're hearing the message and God's tugging on, maybe God's tugging on your heart. And Father, I pray for those people, anyone who, who are hearing this message, that, that they would respond to your kindness and your goodness. God, what a wonderful God you are. I do pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That it would change our hearts, truly. That we would approach you for to be accepted based on what we do, Lord, but to approach you in simple faith, simple faith that recognizes and receives all that you have done through Christ. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, and thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? And you guys are gracious. I know you guys are new today. We have a lot of our regulars are gone. Maybe they decided to sleep in, or maybe they're traveling. But we love, we love, uh, we love one another. And that's what I love about our churches, is is God's doing something wonderful, and it's He's knitting our hearts together. You know, and there's this genuine appreciation, and love for one another, and recognizing a recognition of of Jesus being our chief shepherd. You know, and uh, it's all about Him. You know, it really is about Him. I want to pronounce the blessing that Aaron was told by Moses. Moses, hey, place, place my name, place God's name on my people with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I, I didn't think about that until just now. <laughs> and be gracious to you, right? Yeah, it's right there, right, right, in the, right, right there in the English, right? <laughs> may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That means smile. It means he's pleased, he's happy, he loves you, right? Lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care. We'll see you guys.